1: 2022. What happens in 2023, Covey?
0: Having been the number one seed in tournaments before and kind of feeling the pressure, I think it won't phase him. Roland Garros, he has
1: officially pulled out. I thought he had actually retired at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Will this be the most open road in Garros in recent years? This is episode two, and we're going to be going through, as usual, the contenders this week. Alcolads and Eager. The latest news, tennis shootout, a rankings update, and then finish on the surprise package. Crack open a beer and get ready for the countdown. Sobat Gokovic has won the Australian. 55 matches unbeaten. He's done it! Sure.
0: Djokovic has won Wimbledon.
1: Welcome back to The Countdown here on Game to Love. If you haven't already, make sure to hit a like on this video, subscribe to the channel, join us on all audio platforms as well. There's no JG with us this week. He flew off just after his birthday and just after the big press conference of Rafael Nadal, where he didn't announce retirement, but he did announce that he will be out for the foreseeable future. But in his place today, we do have Covey. How are you doing, sir? Are you well? Doing great. Absolutely great. Thank
0: you for having me. Very, very happy. Even though it's uh, JG's birthday, I get the gift of being able to be on the pod today. And um, also happy that uh, his favorite player did not retire on his birthday weekend.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe (laughs) in this episode, uh, we're not going to make it too Rafael Nadal heavy. No, JG. So we are going to focus on the two young world number ones and they are the favorites to win Roland Garros and they both will be the number one seeds as well going into the tournament once Rome is complete so we're going to start off by looking at their current form because there's obviously a tournament going on right now and Carlos Alcaraz, we're going to start with. Uh, he went out. Um, he went out after his second match in Rome, and it was a pretty hefty uh, defeat to world number 135, the qualifier from Hungary, Fabian Marajan. And was this just a tired Alcaraz, or was uh, this just a sign that maybe there are a few chinks in the armor and? he's not as like unbelievably unbeatable as what we thought he was coming into Rome. What do you think?
0: I mean, you know, he's had, uh, so far in the year, Alcaraz is 30 wins and three losses. He's uh 10 and one on hard courts, 20 and two on clay court. So I'm not too worried about that one loss. Um, I was surprised at how he did get beaten in straight sets and he just never really found his footing in that match. But I feel like getting two matches in Rome after two lengthy runs, wins in Barcelona and Madrid, um, I think that he got enough practice uh, in there. So I'm not too worried about that loss. But um, but yeah, definitely something that, that was out in the ether after that loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel that it won't affect his performance at Roland Garros. That's my personal opinion. I feel he's played a lot of tennis. Obviously, winning uh, the Madrid Masters that was a fantastic thing that he's uh, been able to achieve twice now. But it does leave you susceptible when you play so much tennis to to be a little bit maybe off your game. Um, I thought he looked good against Ramos, but yeah. up against Malazan, he hit th- who a guy who was just hitting winner after winner after winner sometimes you come up against those type of players and Djokovic experiences it, Sin Rafa experienced it, Federer's experienced it, all of the great players experience when you come up against a player who is just playing lights out tennis and you get wiped off the court and if you're not on your best game that day you will lose and he nearly won the second set but unfortunately it just wasn't enough. I don't I don't know if he'd have won the match if he'd won the second set still anyway. It it was one of those matches he he could have still maybe pushed it over the line on another day, but it wasn't his day. It was definitely one just for for Malazan. I'm glad it was because it put a new player on the map as well. Not many people knew who he was. Probably most people didn't know who he was. Myself and JG, we saw him in Zagreb last year in a challenger. Oh. big fans of him on the challenger tour i tried to speak to him. He actually retired with like heat stroke or something during that match i think that we watched him play which was really unfortunate but uh since then it seems like he's really improved his game it looks like he doesn't take any prisoners just wants to go out there and enjoy himself and he's taken a lot more risks on court and it paid off in this tournament
0: Yeah, and, you know, Alcaraz is a very aggressive type of player. And it's not often that he faces other aggressive players. And that's one thing I did appreciate about the game of Marajan is that he has no fear in coming to the net. He has a great hands. He doesn't even have a big serve for a tall guy. That's something that he can develop and improve. But, um, yeah, I I was just really impressed. He's very steady. He was just ripping ground strokes. I'm talking... Um, Alcaraz was not expecting to get, you know, pulverized on certain second serves and he kept on hitting very deep. Um, and, and, I also, I also feel like I haven't seen him play too many times Marjan, but it definitely felt like he was redlining. He hit a, I think yeah. he had 18 drop shots and I think he won maybe 16 or something of those. Um, and his drop shots were perfection. I'm not kidding you. I probably, I, I think that day he was better than I've, ever seen carlos and carlos has had some exceptional days
1: yeah uh i feel that the one thing that he has like a silver lining maybe in that performance against malazan was the desire was still there i mean it wasn't that he wasn't ever trying in the match he was trying constantly he was being given the run around and he didn't give up on any ball he was hitting balls that were literally behind him at some points. Yeah, so he yeah. was running backwards and flicking the ball. I don't know, even know how he got to half of the, the shots that Malazan was hitting, because normally they're just clean winners. But he was yeah. getting them, making him play other shots, but he was still losing the final rally. But and- that, for me, is massive. If you're, if you're an Alcaraz fan and think, was he just really having an off day? I don't think he was having that much of an off day. I think those things happen in tennis. And we've seen it. We saw... Nadal Rosal at Wimbledon, that's another example of someone when they redline, like you are saying, mm-hmm. and they everything they hit's a winner. What are yep. you supposed to do? <laughs> Dustin Brown, another person who did
0: it as well. Yep. I mean, so, even on the women's side, Ostapenko, she's one of those who yep. can kind of just uh, out of nowhere, if everything's going in, she can literally hit any player in the world off the court. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely a, a very impressive uh, performance by Marajan. And then I believe he also, I mean, he took out Yuri Lehechka in the round before. I mean, I had Lehechka and Alcaraz playing each other, and I was really excited for that match because uh, I think they're both very uh, good, young, aggressive players. Uh, again, uh, Lehechka's in that mold where he, he's young, but he doesn't have the fear of coming to the net. Um, I think it showed a little bit, a little bit more oomph. Um, and kind of gave me a little bit more belief that potentially he could turn this into some momentum moving forward.
1: Well, hopefully. I mean, Malazan, hopefully that's not the, the last we hear of him. And we're sort of here to, to cover Alcaraz. I want, we've given Malazan his, his 15 minutes of mm-hmm. fame. Hopefully he can keep on getting himself in the headlines. For Alcaraz, though, we look back through through his form Because that's what what we're here to have a little look at and uh, we just go down obviously he won Barcelona then he won uh, in Madrid as well so back to back clay court tournament wins and if we compare that to uh, last year when he was coming into Roland Garros uh, he also obviously won the Madrid Masters but let's go down just to have a look at what happened last year Yep, he won uh rio at the start of the year in february then he won in barcelona then he won in madrid uh yep. and that was how he entered that uh, that was he didn't um didn't play rome last year did he he uh nope. missed missed rome and then was ready for roland garros just uh as a precaution i guess probably just thought maybe i'll play too much tennis
0: yeah, after Barcelona and Madrid, he was just uh, he was just spent. I think that's a uh, total of eleven matches that he played, um, and so he he opted to take off of Rome. Um, now, a lot of people were wondering if that was a good idea. I personally thought it was a good idea because I I, I think you do need a little bit of rest. Um, however, Rome is the the closest conditions to Roland Garros, so it could have could have it could have actually in the end maybe not been the best decision, but. In the end, I think the body can tell you what's going on. And and I think he's just listening there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And if we go to, let's go back to just have a look to see how he's got on. Obviously, after those tournaments, he had won last year. He came in on a winning run. He got to the quarterfinals where he faced the person that he had last played in a final, which was Sasha Zverev and final. Yep. exactly and he absolutely obliterated him in what what is Zverev's type of like clay the the hard hitting the big serving the faster clay
0: High but Zverev,
1: yeah Zverev was just playing out of his skin at the French Open last year yeah. I've never seen him play that well he for me I've said it already I've said it before I thought he probably would have beaten Nadal had he not got injured but We'll never know, will we? That's the problem. So it was just one of those. It was just so competitive that it was compelling how well Wasverab was playing. It was really made me warm to him as a tennis player. I thought he won a lot of fans in that match, which was... And the fact that he was able to beat Carlos Alcaláz beforehand, even more impressive, because people were touting him even last year to maybe win Roland Garros-Carlos after Mm -hmm. coming off those two tournament wins. But you see, he's getting gradually better, isn't he? third round, 2021. Quarterfinals, 2022. What happens in 2023, Covey?
0: That's a good question. I mean, (laughs) I feel like uh, as the number one seed, so it's the first time he's coming in as the number one seed in a a major. Now, the good thing about that is he's obviously not going to have to face Djokovic until a final. But the other thing is he actually had uh become world number 1 last year and then after he won the us open became world number 1 he actually had a pretty tough little run um on the indoor uh the indoor um hard court, uh kind of circuit and yeah. uh some losses some injuries he tore his abdomen um wasn't able to play at the atp tour finals but um i think he learned that when you become number one there's a type of pressure and he's gone through the pressure of being number one he didn't deal with it that well that's even his words but I think now that he's a number one going into a grand slam for the first time having been the number one seed in tournaments before and kind of feeling the pressure I think it won't phase him uh I feel like if he hadn't been number one before and came into here for the first time as a world number one seed um it would have kind of been like, oh, the extra pressure, but the fact that he's gone through it. So so I'm gonna go ahead and say it's semi-final or or maybe not maybe it won't be considered uh a great tournament. So that, that's how high his standards are. So I'm expecting semis or better for Carlitos.
1: Yeah, I mean you can see through all of his grand slams, they only get better. Australian second round, then third round. French third round, quarterfinal Wimbledon second round, then fourth round U.S. Open quarterfinal, then won it. So <laughs> you'd think well, the sky's the limit, really. Um, mm-hmm. Surely Wimbledon, he's going to go further again. But we'll wait and see. We'll 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 get to Wimbledon <laughs> uh, once French Open's done, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we'll talk about that. But let's just have a look just quickly who he played at last year's Roland Garros and how he got to. Uh that quarterfinal where he did get defeated by Alex Zverev. And it was an easy win against Londero in the first round. Mm-hmm. Then the the epic one against uh, Ramos. Not, no one wants to play him. He's just a, a bogey player for anyone on clay. And I remember that. It was about nearly five hours long, that match.
0: Yeah, and he's even saved match points in this, in this one. Yeah. Did, did um, Carlos Alcaraz. So... I don't know if it was one or two, um, 100% at least one, but I think it might have been two. But um, yeah, I mean, crazy, gutsy performance. At the time, uh, he had just turned 19. So he was just 18 for about a month before this. So, um, I mean, I'm always impressed with any youngster that can handle the pressure. But to to face match points in a major and come through, that's very, very impressive. And then I think he he kind of uh, got on a tiny bit of a roll before he ran into Zverev after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the next two seem even more impressive. Straight sets against Korda. Yep. Straight sets against <laughs> Hachanov, who now si- since then went on to become a bit of a grand slam master really. I mean, he only turns up in slams after this one. I mean, even then he was there in the fourth round, so he wasn't doing too badly. But no, no, then he no. came up against uh, Zverev and pff, unfortunately he came up against that was a star grade Sasha Zverev playing at Roland Garros. So, yeah, that, that's the type of person that you may have to play in a quarterfinal. Like, he, I don't think you would be as worried playing him now, though. I feel that Alcalaz would probably beat him. I mean, he, he handily beat him once
0: again in Madrid. So, last year he beat him in the final, it was a 6 3, 6 1 or something. It was yeah. crazy. And I think he even did better this time, didn't he? Was there a bagel in there?
1: Mm. Um, I think it was 6-2, 6-1. Oh, sorry. Was it, a bit... was it? Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, it might have been. I think it was slightly better either way. Yeah. But anyways, um, you know, I think Zverev, he was playing. I've never, ever, ever seen him play better than he had played in Roland Garros last year. Um, Pretty much the whole tournament. I didn't watch every single match, but I did watch, of course, uh, his his match against uh, Carlos. And then I also watched uh, that epic three-hour t- uh, two-setter. That That's how far they got against Rafa yeah. before that horrific injury. Um, yeah, I mean, but um,
1: what a match I that mean, was, though.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I just don't see it this year from Zverev. But he does have the pedigree to come surprise some, someone. So you never know.
1: Yeah, who knows on that one. But that is uh, Carlos Alcalaz's route to how far he got at the quarterfinals last year. Maybe he could have done better had he not played this five-set match in the second round, but we'll never know, really. But I'm sort of glad that he did because it sort of gave gave him the strength of character to come through a five-set match at a slam, which is also always like character building. And then we wouldn't have got to see that uh, Zverev-Nadal performance had Zverev not won. So I, I was pretty impressed by that one as well. So let's move on from that and just see... These are the odds. Uh, I know we went through them on the last episode, but you can see Carlos Alcalá is still the favorite for Roland Garros. Novak Djokovic still the second favorite. And somebody has disappeared from the, from the odds that Mr. Nadal, no longer the third favorite. He is no longer in the tournament. And Holger Luna, now the third favorite for Roland um, Garros, above he, Stefano Sissipas.
0: Yeah. And I mean... He took out Sitsi Pass in the finals of Stockholm last year. He's uh, beaten him again this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Runa has has been on just the, the trajectory, has just been straight upwards since pretty much the end of the French Open last year.
1: What um, do you just... make of the fact that I saw an interesting statistic that Holger Runa has a winning or equal head to head against all of the top? As five apart from Caspar Rude, who he has a zero and four <laughs> and he's playing him obviously in yep. the, uh, in the semifinals in Rome. So what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, Caspar yeah. Rude on the clay courts as well. That's his, that's his home.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I think, I, I think that has to do that head to head specifically with Runa and Rude has more to do kind of with age, you know, Rude has been established for a little bit longer. Runa just turned 20 last month or, um April yeah last month April 30th so not even a month ago so um I feel like now Runa is definitely a different player so I can see why he is he is uh ahead of um Kasparud another thing about Kasparud he is defending tons and tons of points so he's gonna need to make I mean he's got to go at least to the quarterfinals to to salvage a decent amount of points but I mean is it 1200 points for losing He's a good draw Mm -hmm.
1: that essentially just needs a good draw um Mm -hmm. Which he had
0: last year.
1: How in, how interesting is it that just a week ago the bookies had him at 34 to one? He's halved his odds in a week just playing getting to the semi-finals in Rome. Like, how crazy is it? Just because he did well in one tournament, now they suddenly he was last year's finalist. I thought he'd definitely <laughs> be surely up there with better odds than 33 to 1. Now he's suddenly gone down to seventeens. But, well, you know, oh, sorry, continue. <laughs> My that's bad. all right. No, go for it. I was just going to say that he had a
0: very rough start to the year. A lot of people were mentioning that he had gone on in the offseason um, where most people kind of take their break or, or, or get in the gym to get uh, physically, say, buffed up or whatever. He was on a, on a South American tour with Rafael Nadal, and a lot of people kind of mentioned that perhaps that wasn't the best idea. He's even acknowledged that. So he had a very rough start to the year. But in just the last couple of weeks, he's starting to show some results. So um, Mm. I think the reason he was 34 before was because he had such a rough start to the year. And now that he has kind of, you know, sharpened up and rounded into form a little bit more. So I think um, I I can see why he's at 17 now. 17 is definitely closer to where he should be than 34 for sure. Would have been a good time to put some money on him, maybe just for the heck of it at that point.
1: A little bit surprised me that Yannick Sinner's above him. To be honest, I don't know why, but uh, there's part of me that feels that Yannick Sinner's never been to the final of the French Open. But <laughs> I think we are going to start thinking I'm getting on Sinner's back. I think because <laughs> I I say some harsh things about Yannick Sinner because I think he's got so much potential, but he just doesn't live up to the hype. And I feel that his ceiling is so much higher than he probably if he just dug in a little bit more and showed that little bit more grit. I feel that he would win Masters. He would get to the finals of slams. I feel like he might even win a slam, but I need to see a bit more. Like I need to see that you're not going to like, I don't know, pull out with an injury or you're not going to just, There just seems there's, there's a little element of giving up in him that I don't like. And I can see it, which I don't see from the likes of Carlos Alcaraz or Holger Luna. Yeah, no, I would
0: agree with you there. Uh, definitely in a sense. I, 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 I'm not going to say that he's, he's one of those people. Uh, this is a good way to put it, I think. Sinner is one of those players that I feel like as soon as he does get that one first big title, yeah. the dominoes are going to fall. He's going to get the confidence. Oh, I can do this. Uh, when it gets very physical, when a player makes it physical and long, and you, you know, that's when I find that he has issues. Um, you know, sometimes he'll be keeled over. I remember in Medvedev in the uh, was it the Miami final, there was a point, there was literally one specific point in the second set. It was a really long, like 29 shot rally, but right after the the way he was sucking in the air, And Medvedev's looking at him from across the court. And, you know, Medvedev's pretty much a robot. The guy can go until his oil runs out of his body or gas or whatever. Um, But, um, yeah, it was was like very – it was a very good representation of what can happen to Yannick Sinner when the physicality goes upward. So um, I also think that he still hasn't filled out. He happens to have a longer body. So a player like him, like Alcaraz has filled out. He's in his man body, as as they say. Uh, Sinner still is, you know, being so lanky and tall. He still hasn't filled out. So when I, I think that when he fills out, um, he's going to be maybe kind of like a bird body type, and he'll be hopefully more durable. So
1: well, that's how I see,
0: crossed. yeah, fingers, exactly. Because I, I think he has a very high potential, and, and I do also have him pegged to win majors.
1: Cool. Right. Let's move on from... Them well, from Carlos Alcalaz and the men, let's move on to the number one seed on the women's side and the reigning defending champion, which is Iga Sviantek. And unfortunately, I know that you're covering the match, uh, was it yesterday? Um, and it was, yeah. uh, it'd probably be two days ago as you're watching yeah. this now. Um, uh, Yelena Rybakina, her, her nemesis, it seems, on the tour, who We thought it was only on the hard courts. But now she has a win over her on the clay in Rome where Iga's at home normally. She's back-to-back champion in Rome, normally with ease as well. She doesn't really even drop sets. She just plows her way through and wins the title pretty easily. This one, she was tested but then ended with a retirement, which... Uh, the the knee being the problem is that correct?
0: Um, it looked like the quadricep, so just Was above it? the knee. Um, okay, she basi- just above the knee. Yeah, she kind of pushed off to the right to 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 return a ball, and you could see that her her kind of just above her knee, like her leg kind of clicked. If that makes sense. Okay. Uh, like it had this abrupt kind of stop, start, stop motion, and and then for a quick second, you're like, oh you kind of notice like, okay, something kind of happened, but then you're like, oh, that was so fast. Maybe it's nothing. And then yeah. that actually happened on the second last point of the set. So um, I believe Rebecca was up 6-3 in the tie break to tie it up in the second set. And when it was, I think it was, yeah, so 6-3. And then I think the Ega won a point 6-4. And then uh, that was the point, I think, where she got hurt on. And then uh, Rebecca ended up um, closing it out taking it i think it was 7-4 and then pretty much 7-3, from
1: 3 but yeah close okay. enough
0: yeah and then uh, um <laughs> doing so many matches they're all bleeding into each other yeah, but know, um it, <laughs> but yeah it was it was it was honestly crazy because Rebekina had worked her way back into the match before the actual injury so you know a lot of people especially in the in the chats there was a, a lot of chat where people were like oh uh, Rebecca has no chance uh, against iga um, and, and the conditions were in every way favorable to Iga, she had the slow heavy court, they were playing at night, slows it down even more, and it was raining, slows it down even more, and then of course Rebekina, one of her biggest weapons is her serve, well that gets neutralized with a slower court as well, so um, make no mistake, Rebekina made her way back into that, so you know, I just, I just want to make People to know that it wasn't like, oh, Iga got hurt and then Rebecca. No, she actually fought her way back. She was completely dominated in the first set. She lost six to two. um I think she got, she was down four love at one point. It almost looked like a bagel was on its way. And she was also down four to two in the second set before she turned it around. And and that's where the moniker the Ice Queen comes in, and that's a very well deserved. So, anyways, that's maybe a little bit longer of a recap of that match, but it was. I uh, just wanted to share that it was a very good match. Uh, it was turning into one and it was a real bummer that um, that it had to be a retirement, but hoping for the very best for Ego.
1: Yeah. Um, you're the best man to give us the lowdown <laughs> on it. You were the one covering it. Unfortunately, uh, I could not be there. I was uh, out celebrating JG's birthday. Um, it was just as unfortunate it had to be on that the night of uh, Shviontek Rebakina. but yeah, what a devastating way to finish that that match and eager leading up to that match she was looking invincible it had to be said it looked like the same old eager same old Rome double bagel for Pavlyuchenkova a single bagel well it's pretty much a double bagel against Sorenko she she lost the first two games then won 12 games in a row uh, against Sorenko oh, yeah. and then Vekic Vekic was actually I'd say competitive but that you always sort of Knew Eager was going to win. It was competitive to a point, but then not really because Bekic didn't. I didn't ever get the feeling she was going to win the match. She just felt like she Eager wasn't playing that great, but she was going to win. And it was one of those type of matches where she got more games than everybody else normally gets. And she she hit what hit well, hit deep, and that tends to be the way that you do get a few games from Eager as long as you keep the ball near the baseline. She can't step in. She can't play her tennis the way... You, she just can't get off as, as often as she wants. But the the Rabakina one, like you said, the Ice Queen, um, I feel like she's the Med- Medvedev of the women's tour at the moment. <laughs> I feel like she's got a grand slam under her belt, same as Daniil. And she doesn't like the... Well, don't even know she doesn't like the clay. She's just is not familiar with it. I feel... Danielle hates the clay or claims to seems to be all right on it these days. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like she's the same. She, she feels like these are sort of free matches where she can just go on, have some fun. If she, if she does well, great. If she doesn't still learning, I feel that that's the best way to look at it. And she's learning fast. I feel because she had a fantastic tournament in this tournament. She's still going, obviously. I'm not talking about in the past tense. Um, but she, the fact she knocked out uh, Von Trussever as well in the last round, she could be a contender for Roland Garros. She mm-hmm. beat her in straight sets. And she got a revenge on Kalinskaya, even though it was a <laughs> retirement from Scott. She had two retirements, in fact, yeah. in this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I feel like she was still playing good tennis and I think that's the main thing to take away from Rabakina uh, she's mm-hmm. finding her feet on the clay now Uh but we're here to talk about Iga and talk <laughs> about how she's performed on the clay leading up to Roland Garros and we'll have a look here at the tournament before she got to the final she lost to Sabalenka I mean yeah. up until then was only troubled by Alexandrova. In the mm-hmm. tournament before that, she won in Stuttgart, where she beat Sabalenka. Second portion so, in a row. Exactly. So yeah. her clay court form, pretty good as always. And the only thing we've got to really worry about is this potential injury, really, on Iga's side. And if we look back, at um, obviously, last year. Right, let me just go. One second. Just go to the top, we right? If we go back to last year, obviously she was the winner there. Year before, quarterfinal. Year before that, the winner. Year before, fourth round. So she's never been any less than the fourth round at Roland Garros, which that's yeah. impressive to have Very never impressive. even.
0: Yeah. From your first <laughs> I mean, ever one, that it's it's crazy. And then not only that, she, she you know she goes fourth round in her first ever tournament and then the second one she she wins it without dropping a single set um so yeah Roland Garros, yeah it's uh i mean i'm not gonna say it's like uh how it feels for rafa when he's there but she's kind of getting close
1: I yeah mean, i mean yeah it, it is a little more. bit like that i, I feel like yeah. it's getting to it could be a similar story uh if she continues with the dominance that she has on clay yeah. Last year, she came into came into Roland Garros. She she played in. Let's just have a look. Was it just no. in Rome? She won. Oh, sorry, I'm just going in the wrong year now. Apologies. Uh-huh. Go down a little bit further. She played in Stuttgart. She played in Rome, and then she won both of them. And then she won, obviously, the French Open. So that yeah. was last year's results. And this year. She's just won Stuttgart, got to the final in Madrid, so slightly mm-hmm. different. And then in Rome, she's gone out slightly injured. So, and then coming now into Roland Garros, in there's more of a question mark over is she going to be fit, that type of thing. So, yeah, and, and we yeah. know what happened last year's Roland Garros.
0: Yeah, she took it all the way. And you know, one other thing about this match with uh, Rabakina, um mm. Oh gosh, I actually just forgot what I was about to say. So <laughs> if right, it comes no back, worries. I'll let you know.
1: All right, no worries. Uh, we'll come back to that. You yeah. uh, should have a little pen and paper. Just yeah, jot it down. You do, actually—that's uh, all right. Or a computer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phone. No one uses pen and paper anymore, right? Yeah. Right? But if we look That's down cool. last years, you see the level of dominance. So she had three, well, two clay court taunts before Roland Garros she dropped one set in the whole of that clay court, those three tournaments, and two two sets um, including Roland Garros. Yeah, so done, she dropped yeah. one against Samsonova, none in Rome where she won it all in straight <laughs> sets, and then only one to Kinwin Zeng. And then she obviously bageled her in that match anyway. Yeah, so. yeah I actually, I remember, I watched that match.
0: I remember uh, being surprised that she lost in a tiebreaker because I remember thinking like, She doesn't even go to tie breaks, you know, like it's it's so rare that she actually even gets pushed to a tie break. Yeah,
1: Yeah, she was obviously annoyed, though, that she went there and then she made sure it was quick work. I mean, the first set was an hour and 24 minutes and the second set, 31 minutes, (laughs) third set, 45 minutes. So probably this quicker than the first set put together those last two sets so (laughs) that's what she can do and then obviously the dominance that she showed in the final and the semi-final and even the quarter final last year to be in the slam and to have those type of results against its top quality opposition
0: yeah and that's exactly it it's not just against some random you know, 87th ranked player who ended up making it to the semis. It was, it was you know, world number three, Pagula. You got top 10 player, kasatkina You got number six in the world, or whatever she was last year, Coco Gauff. Um yep. By the way, I, I remember what I was going to say about uh, that match. Uh, the big, I think the big, the big regret potentially that Iga could have, she actually had six. Uh, she was one for six in breakpoint opportunities in the second set. And, uh, and I did mention she was up four to two in that second set. So very possibly if she had gotten just one of those six uh, break points that she made, or I think one, she was one four six. So if she'd gotten one more of the five chances, very likely she wouldn't have even had to push to go to a tiebreaker and, you know, end up, you know, getting hurt or whatever. So uh, something I just remembered in the middle in the moment there.
1: No problem. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It's, just, it's a game of fine margins, we always say it, and it could potentially have gone the other way. This could happen yeah. in many tennis matches, but that's what makes it such an enthralling sport. Yeah. Well, if we look at the favourites for Roland Garros on the women's side, you can see um, it's quite interesting. Well, when you look below, eager. Yeah, that's the thing because eager, the clear favourite. I mean, you can't deny it. It's she's the favourite for a reason. She's the reigning champion, and she's normally so dominant. I mean, I'm surprised it's still that they're, they're not reading too much into any injury. I mean, it could just be a precautionary thing, like rather just drop out of Rome, and not have any worries. Of road on Garros than than keep playing and then maybe make something worse. So yeah, I, I get where they're coming from completely with it. But how uh I'm just having a look at she's shortened her odds from last week. She was at nineteens, she's now down to tens. Oh. So okay. she's now the third favourite. She's gone above Barbora Klaichikova now who obviously is a Roland Garros champion from the past anyway herself. And anybody else shortened their odds a bit? Ostapenko, I was saying last week, and she was one of my uh, outsiders to watch. I think she's moved up from about 30. I think she was like, let me just have a quick check to see what she was last week. So I think she was quite big odds as well. She was, I think she was about 20 maybe she was like 26 or 30s to 30s she's moved up to about 21s now ostapenko so might maybe worth a Penko. punt metaphor as well in there 29s
0: mm, interesting i mean uh, ostapenko that that could be a decent for for anyone betting i mean that's not a bad one um
1: definitely when isn't. She,
0: when she's and she has for the last couple of months she has been on um she's been kind of on an, an upward trajectory she is you know she relies on being able to, to play uh, redline tennis. Um, and that's her game plan. Whether it works or not, she just goes for it. And when it works, she can hit anyone off the court. So um, someone I've been wondering about potentially. And, of course, she is a former champion there as well.
1: Exactly. When it all clicks for her, she definitely is a threat to to any Grand Slam, I think. Not just uh, Roland Garros. I so, think so. Uh... In one of my streams,
0: it, uh, someone was, uh, it was an Ostapenko match and someone was mentioning that her ball's speed is faster than Sabalenka.
1: Doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's so quick. <laughs> it's yeah, literally. It's just like a bullet half the time when she's hitting the ball. Mm. Right. That is the end of the contenders for episode two. Ooh. Let's move on to the latest news. Right, here we are with the latest news section. Uh, We're going to be going through all of the news on Twitter, but we've hand-picked some stories today because we thought they're all going to be about one guy. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we can't go all in on Rafa today. We're going to go through some Rafa, which is where we're going to start with, obviously. Uh, This one coming from Roland Garros themselves, saying, Rafa, we can't imagine... How hard this decision was. Will definitely miss you at this year's Roland Garros. Take care of yourself and come back stronger on on the courts. So I think it's supposed to say, hoping to see you next year in Paris. And then a nice picture there of Rafa himself uh, holding the trophy. <laughs> well, I mean, we sort of spoke about it for over an hour earlier on. Let's give us a quick summary of your thoughts on no rafa this year at roland garros um yeah i mean not super
0: surprising um but the news uh so basically he mentioned about 24 hours before the press conference that he's holding a press conference to let us know what's going on basically he said my body is not uh is telling me that it's not ready so he says he's gonna be he's he's gonna try and get back on the practice court he doesn't know if it'll be within two months or four months but Roland Garros, he has officially pulled out. Uh, Wimbledon as well, uh, he's pulled out. And it's very likely that he probably will not play at the U.S. Open. Um, My feelings towards it, glad that he hasn't officially retired because there was a little bit of chatter on social media that kind of freaked me out. Um, But, uh, you know, got to listen to his body. He's got a little kid at home, a little baby Rafa. So, you know what, I hope that he can recover as best as possible, and I do hope that he makes his way back on the courts. Um, And, you know, I will say that I I do think it might be the the Grand Slam chances, I think, are pretty much over for him. But um, let's hope we can see him one more time, maybe next year, either at Roland Garros at the actual tournament, or maybe at the Olympics, or hopefully both.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Um, I echo that as well. If you want to see our live reaction to his press conference, go check out the the video. We did one earlier on, just reacting live to it. So... I thought he had actually retired at one point. <laughs> so go check that out. <laughs> it was all in Spanish. I was trying yeah. my best to uh, <laughs> to work it out, but yeah, you, it's easy to misconstrue what someone's saying when you can only it only tells you part of the conversation on your yeah. translator. But, the second half of
0: the sentence was missing, and, and our hearts was. just kind of dropped
1: for a second. Yeah, he said he wanted to put a full stop on the career. I was like, what? But, yeah, he definitely will be missed. Um, It will make maybe the tournament slightly more competitive, maybe. That's uh, one thing. It maybe opens the door for a few other uh, people coming through. But, yeah, Rafa will be very, very much missed. And uh, JG, if he was here, I'm sure he would echo the same. Uh, He would be much more devastated even still than both of us are probably conveying right now but we will hear from him when he gets back and I'm sure we'll hear about it throughout the whole of Roland Garros as well he will not be forgotten I'm sure JG will be playing his button or doing bits and pieces just to keep Rafa in the headlines uh, at least it's just one person you can't not speak about when you're at Roland Garros anyway and no, that. so and speaking of
0: the countdown, um, I one of my goals is to watch Rafa play in a competitive match because I want to see him hit a forehand in real time um, and just feel the force of of like what it sounds like and what you you know when a, a professional yeah. tennis player, golfer, you know baseball player, when they swing you know the bat, the club, the the racket, they it's different yeah. than when you when you go to the public tennis court and, and see people playing, right? So. Um, there's a viciousness to it. So the countdown has begun for me. I need to find my way to some city where Rafael is playing in the next year. So um, too bad he's not going to come to the Labour Cup this year. That would have been easier for me, but here in Vancouver. Yeah.
1: Sorry to hear that. Um, uh-huh. uh, I've heard that he may be aiming for his comeback tournament to be the Davis Cup. So I think that's late late in the year. Like, Is it November around that think, time? Okay yeah so that's that's the aim apparently so he I think he's planned on missing everything before that so if he manages to make it for for then, great if not, it may just be a countdown until next year's round on Gareth. so stay tuned with the countdown. we'll keep you updated with Rafa news on when he'll be coming back for any grand slam or tournament anyway so let's move on from rafa because i feel like we've done it to done it to death anyway yeah. and this one was daniel Medvedev, who, who was talking about rafa Nadal <laughs> uh, missing ronald Garrus. and he said even if he wouldn't be 100 percent physically and decided to play it would be a favorite hopefully he can come back as fast as possible because he's an amazing player amazing athlete one of the best in history I paused him on a really bad pace. (laughs) (laughs) Par an apologist to Daniil. Um, Uh, Yeah, Um, I don't think we need to dwell on that one too much. Just nice words from another professional tennis player, another Grand Slam champion in Daniil Medvedev, uh, who maybe is relishing the chance now to do well at Roland Garros. Maybe he's he's one of the uh, people who could make the final this year. I mean... Um,
0: he might be making his way into a final uh, here in Rome. So it's not out of the question. It's, you know, we're kind of joking a bit. But um, anyways, moving on.
1: Yeah, this one. A journalist asked, uh, no, uh, after the Novak-Luna match, will this be the most open Roland Garros in recent years to Novak Djokovic? And he replied, it depends if Rafael Nadal plays. <laughs> and, well, we know that he's not going to be playing now. So maybe it will be the most open Roland Garros in many, many years because Rafa giving everyone a chance, maybe just to have a little bit of a run around on the courts and see how they get on. Is everybody, no. as a Rafa fan, going to say this is an asterisk slam? Or are we, <laughs> is that what it's going to be for the rest of time? If you win Roland exactly. Garros, you didn't really win it because yeah. Rafa's retired from tennis? I don't know. But <laughs> you can only beat who's in front of you and you still got to win two weeks of tennis to win a Grand Slam. So I feel that no matter who's in the tournament, you still earn it no matter yeah. who's there. Yeah, that's uh, definitely got to gotta have some
0: sort of... A... Uh, criteria. You can't just continually say, oh, this person, you know, there's always going to be one person missing. So, well, hopefully not, but
1: yeah. Yeah, right. On to the next one. Eager, giving uh, a quick update. Uh, obviously, we were talking about her injury uh, saying, a couple of days off for sure. I'm booking my flight to Paris. So, fingers crossed, please. Hopefully, see you soon. Hopefully. Yeah.
0: Uh, there's no way she books her own flights. She's got someone who doesn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, hopefully. Uh- <laughs> Do you like this word? Hopefully.
0: um, I don't like that word. Hopefully. um, I, you know, I think she is being slightly per- precautionary. I think she purposely didn't really mention the injury at all. I don't think she, Maybe she doesn't fully know or she just kind of wants to keep it low-key as low, long as possible. But yeah, definitely that word uh, is a little bit unnerving for sure. Loving the new kits though. Yeah, um, really good new it. outfits, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Like looking like sweet. that's
1: a bit of a hoodie there that she's got going on there. I like that. Really yeah. good. That's something yeah, I would buy something like that. Definitely <laughs> improved from the, the last outfits, haven't they? I mean, um, do you think this is She's done this on purpose. Make sure she gets out some news on the same day as Rafa gets his news out. <laughs> like she's trying to be the, the queen of clay, maybe.
0: Uh, I don't know. I I think she, uh, I'm going to say no on that specifically, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe, she, maybe
1: you get a little, maybe,
0: a little bit of uh, attention,
1: you know? Or maybe it just, it, if you release it today, it just goes under the radar. So she doesn't even have to get any ah, attention. There you go. Yeah. So two ways to look at everything. Uh, and this one, you can take us through this one, because uh, you were telling yeah. me about it. So <laughs> yeah, go for it.
0: really crazy stuff. So uh, I think it was like a week or two ago, Nick Curios. So it says Nick Curios has withdrawn from the French Open due to a uh, foot injury, it should say, or uh, sorry, due to a foot he injured at his Canberra home after a man allegedly threatened his mother with a gun and stole his car, according to Australian media. So basically what happened was, um, I believe they live in the same place, his mom, him and his mom and, and family. So he has a green Tesla. His mother took it to get some groceries. She got robbed at gunpoint. The, the guy took the car. So apparently she calls Nick Kyrgios and says, you know, this would happen. So he frantically grabs his phone and um, his phone, tr- it's a Tesla, so you can track it with the app. Yeah. Uh, he helps the cops track down the car. They apprehend the uh, the suspect. But what happened, apparently, um, during the old, uh, the, hub, the hullabaloo or whatever they call it, uh, of him finding out that his mother had been, you know, attacked or, or, you know, whatever the situation, he ran through his house, apparently, to run to her. And he doesn't know when or where, but he apparently lacerated, uh, I think it was the, the side of his left foot by the pinky. So that's actually the official reason Um, everything other than it's, it's actually quite a shame because they were saying his knee is absolutely perfect. Everything is, is going better than expected. And um, the literally the reason if he had to pull out was this laceration on his foot. So crazy, crazy story, crazy scenes from the Canberra household of, of uh, Nick Kyrios And um, yeah, unfortunate. I mean, uh, you know, Nick had a phenomenal uh, run at Wimbledon. He kind of m- made everyone, f- you know, sh- kind of believe that he's he's ready to to take this seriously and it's just a, really been a bummer that um he just hasn't really been able to to kind of parlay that run uh into into something more. He's just been injury trouble ever since.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one, I, I mean I take back anything that negative that I said uh about his withdrawing from Roland Garros now because I wasn't aware of this. I thought it was just he'd got everyone's hopes up when he said, "Oh, I'm just I'm so into tennis now. I'm going to play Roland Garros this year." Yeah. And then he withdrew, and I thought, "Oh, it's the same old Nick." But it's not the same old Nick. It's Nick being courageous and trying to help his his mum out by the sounds of it. So fair play to you, Nick Kyrgios injuring yourself helping your family you can't really like complain to anybody for that so i just hope that uh, your your mum's okay and i hope your family are all well and i hope that you're you recover and in time for wimbledon so that we can see you back there playing your best tennis and he would also had some other, believe it or not, bad news in his life. His
0: his uh, just on Instagram yesterday, I think he posted that his grandmother had passed away.
1: Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, I mean yeah. condolences for that as well. That's, Absolutely. Everything comes at once, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it comes hopefully.
0: in. They say in threes sometimes.
1: Well, don't say that. <laughs> I wasn't. I was gonna. I was thinking it. I didn't want to say it. Like, oh, yeah, uh... hopefully nothing. So we got Wimbledon on the round the corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't don't wish him don't wish him a third one. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> we'll see you at Wimbledon. Nick. My apologies. We'll Try not to jinx you here, Nick. My bad. I know. Yeah. I know. Come on. <clears throat> we don't want anything else to happen. Yeah. Like not not threes. No threes. Yeah. Anything. Right. Anyway, we'll move away from the uh, the news. That's the end of the news. The latest news for Roland Garros. And now we move on to the Tennis Shootout. Right, time for the Tennis Shootout. If you're new to the countdown, this is where we both get to ask each other a bit of Roland Garros trivia and uh, see if we get it right. I get 30 seconds to answer the question. Um, do you want to go first or do you want to go second, Covey? Um... I'll go first. Okay, nice. That's what I did last week. It didn't really benefit me in any way, but that's fine. (laughs) Right. 30-second timer on. Okay. Okay. And the timer will start when I finish asking the question. And we're going to do it slightly differently this week, just to give us a bit of a better chance. I think we're going to continue this. I'm going to give you a question, I'm going to give you four potential answers this time. And then... You just pick one of the potential four that I give you. Okay. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Right, okay. (laughs) So, as it's been a big day for Rafael Nadal and his big press conference, my question is going to be Nadal-related. So, Rafael Nadal has won Roland Garros without dropping a set. But how many times has he won Roland Garros without dropping a set? The choices you're going to get are two, three, four, or five. Go. Ooh,
0: okay. Two, three, four, five. So the first thing that comes to mind is that he's only been pushed to five sets a couple of times. But how many times has he
1: dropped a set? Two. How many times has he won the whole tournament without dropping a set? Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say four times. Okay, you got eight, seven seconds. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. That was the gut. I'm going with the gut. Right, okay. Stop it. And I can confirm that Rafa Nadal has won on Garros without dropping a set. Four times it's correct. <laughs> nice, well done. Look at that. He's straight off the bat and he's got it. He's there. The first correct question on the countdown or correct answered question is from Covey. Nice. Well, done, I mean, mate. that I'm not gonna lie, that was definitely a
0: pure guess, but um, but it felt good. It felt good. It had a 25% chance and I took
1: it. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. I said it's not gonna be, it's gonna be one of those ones where it's like, it's not gonna be between one and a hundred it's just going to be a, it's going to be on you can count them on one hand so gotcha. it's going to be tough but yeah you picked right four and uh if anybody's all wondering right. which years they were it was 2008 2010 2017 and obviously the latest one 2020
0: unbelievable ah all right well um my go yeah all right <laughs> what have you got so, for me so, okay, and I also have a timer set up here, so you don't have to worry okay. about the clock here. But, um, all right, so my question is, you went with the king, I'm going with the queen. Iga Świątek oh. has played in Roland Garros four times, winning it twice. Now, I'm going to give you a list of four players, and I need you to tell me which two of these four players have defeated her at Roland Garros. And your clock oh, starts... No right after I give you the options, which are Maria Sakari, Simona Halep, Yelena Ostapenko, Annette Kontovit. Timer starts now.
1: All right, well, I'm going to go straight off the bat and I'm going to go Simona Halep with my first uh, answer. I'm pretty, I'm pretty self-assured on Simona Halep. I think that, that she came and she battered her the next year uh, in the same exact score she lost to her. Um, the other one, it's going to be tough. Do you say Ostapenko? I feel like Sochari, she's the only Ostopenko other. Contra-Vet. I feel Ostapenko's the only one who could have done it. I can't think of the top of. I'm going to go with one Ostopenko. second. Oop. <laughs> I'm, going go with that. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Hala Ostapenko. I'm not sure. I... Contavit and Sakari don't sound like players that would defeat Iga. Well, you had
0: to get two. And you did get at least one uh, because Simona Halep has beaten Iga Sviantek.
1: I knew that the one. other
0: player to beat Iga Sviantek was not Kontovite, it was not Ostapenko, it was Maria Sakri. Oh, no way, yes,
1: damn it. <laughs> That's not bad though, 50%. Not too
0: what shabby. was the score?
1: Can you tell me the uh, score?
0: Um, you know what? Let me i just want that. to know
1: like because i yeah, don't remember yeah. this one
0: let's oh. see okay so last year she won so two years ago okay so she beat golf last year two years ago uh she yeah it was um 2021 she lost 6 6464 in the quarterfinals <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and the reason oh. I threw Ostapenko in there because, of course, she has one, so it kind of yeah, throws it you, off, right?
1: that red herring. <laughs> you threw me under the bus there. Oh, you did me with that. It was a good one to throw in there, though, because it, yeah. I've been talking about her too much. I think you got in my head there. Yeah. And semi-final Sarkari was in my head from from too long ago. Anyway, uh, yeah. well, Covey wins on this uh, one, so chalk one up for Covey. You're on JG's you side, so it probably means you get a point for JG there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the end of tennis shootout for for this episode. Uh, let us know if you got that right in the comments section below. And uh, well, I'm sure most people probably got Sarkery right. No one was on my bandwagon mm-hmm. with Ostapenko. But let's move on now to the rankings update. Right, and uh, we're going to have a look at the rankings. Obviously, nothing has changed since the last episode on the seeding side of things because as we're looking at the men's here, we know that uh, Alcalaz is going to become number one after Rome and he will take up the top seed and Djokovic will drop down to number two. So it doesn't really change anything in the slam perspective, although if we see the draw and then it's much more favorable for one than the other, it could Benefit Djokovic being number two. You don't know. Yeah, that's the thing we don't know until we see the draw. But I'm excited (laughs) about that draw. We were talking just before we came on. There are obviously some additional wild card entries that we weren't sure we were going to get. And Benoit Paire gets in as a wild card. There he is. There you go. The Frenchman got to a final, I believe, in uh, a challenger uh, this past week. Recently, yeah. That's it. So, I mean That's it. And you've got Dominic Team in with a wild card, Shevchenko in with a wild card, David Goffan, Tara Daniel. Uh, um, I believe that these are just like additional players who have just been uh, allowed into the draw. These just, I think that they were supposed to qualify these ones, but they've been put into the draw because you can see down here. These are the people who have withdrawn from the tournament. Now we've got Nadal, Kyrgios, Brooksby, and Quan. Mm-hmm. And if you have a look down here, at they show us withdrawals now from the from the qualifying. So you can see there, Dominic team, Tara Daniel. So now they've yeah. gone into the the main draw now, and you can see there, Benoit Pair, obviously also on there as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And and Van Rijthoven, he's yep. he's withdrawn, but he's not in the actual. He hasn't made it in, right?
1: Um, let me go back up to the top and just have a quick check.
0: He was one fifty four, so hmm. yeah, no, he's not.
1: I don't see him in there. Yeah, yeah, was, so... he had
0: a nice little run last year. Was it uh, in the in in the it's Netherlands?
1: Yeah, he won a grass court tournament, and then he did quite well at Wimbledon he as well. He in the final. Yeah, it was this,
0: I think it was his first ATP uh, level tour uh, match or something, and he yeah. you know, winning the tournament. It's crazy at home.
1: So, yeah, we'll have to come back and then have a check on this to see. I think we have see there we've got Harold Mayots managed to get himself a wild card, uh, another mm. French player. Got a wild card into the qualification, though. So we will get... All of this will probably keep changing as we go through. See a few other players have managed to get themselves wild card entries. These ones in green are sort of other players who aren't French who get in. Uh we mm. got Ferrera Silva, Mokazuki and uh Mariano Navone, Juan Pablo Fikovich, Zachary Vaja, um Chemical, uh Lee and then look, here yeah, you've got all of the actual like you've got a lot of French people mm, who are yeah. making up the numbers down there as well. Uh God, your... ego you've got some protected rankings down here as well. Lucas Puy and Igor Jurisimov. God, I've not seen heard sin or heard that name for a while. <laughs> so yeah, and Herbert as well. Look, I mean wow. he's gonna have, have to What's... try hard. I remember him, he was in a final in France against Medvedev a couple of years yeah. ago. So it's falling right off the bandwagon. Good doubles player, but let's try and. Uh, I need and what to about Gael find...
0: Monfils? Is he? He got the wild. He got a wild card.
1: Yeah, right? I believe he got yeah. a wild card. Yeah, into the main draw though, so he'd be down. Where is he? Is no, he's a protective ranking, not a wild. Prot- card. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so he protected ranking of thirty-five as well, which is nuts. Right, so this is the best that we can find for the women's. They don't have the same website for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they should set that up. This is just going down, looking at the women's seedings. Not sure if much is going to change on this, but we can have a look through some of the live rankings once we've uh, gone down this list. And you can yep. see here on the the entry ranking is on the right and the seed is on the left. So moving down through here. Let's see if anything's going to be changing after Rome. That's the, the the key component here. So if we look there, we can see that we're back in a... moving up to number five in the world at the moment. And if she was to win, she could move up to number four in the world, which yeah. is quite a big change. We've got Kudometeva as well. She could potentially move... If she was to win the whole tournament, she could move all the way up to number seven in the world. She could overtake Ons Jabur, which is... 35. Pretty impressive, and we've got there, Ostapenko, she's moving up through the ranks. Well, if she was to win the tournament, she could move up to overtake Klochikova. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, Kalanina, she's I mean, she shot up 19 places already. She, if she was to go even further and win it, up to mm-hmm. into the top 20. So, oh. yeah, 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 there's, uh, you can see here at the moment where they've been uh, entered in with their entry, just to gain entry to the tournament. Mm-hmm. And they go down all the way to Bernardo Pera at the moment, who's the 32nd seed as it stands with the entry. See the Kalanina there, just mm. at uh, 35. So there could be... I'm thinking it's all going to change, really. We've got... You can see all those players in green are going to be shifting around some of these places and you can yeah. see some of the pluses and minuses. Vekic, she's gone up three. Madison Key's up three. Kim Wenzeng up two. Anybody who's a, a big faller? I can't really see any. Oh, mm-hmm. Trevor San dropped seven places there. Is anybody dropping outside the the seedings, though, which would be interesting to see? Martich mm-hmm. drops nine. So, yeah, she's one. Um, We've got Bernarda Perra. We're just speaking about her. She dropped six places. And Bianca Andriescu dropping down to 41 in the ten world spots. Wow. 10 spots. Yeah, so and Tomjanovic there, Collins, another one dropping down the rankings, and Sasnovic as well. Six spots, Sh- yeah. Sharif Char- as Char- well. Losing wow, ten... she's been doing really well too. Somebody we have not spoken about enough, but JG, one of his players to watch. Marketa von Drusova. She's Mm. up 15 places, up to number 55. That's impressive. Yeah, and Ziu Wang, up 14 places as well. So I think that uh, we'll come to, in the next episode, we'll be going through probably the final seedings and the final rankings for the tournament. But that's as much as we're going to go through for this episode. And let's get on to our final segment. This is our surprise packages. Right. We're going to keep this one short and sweet. We had on last week's episode, our men and women do we feel that could be surprise packages at this year's Roland Garros. They have to be outside the top 10. Uh, Last week I gave uh, Sasha Zverev and I also gave Yelena Ostapenko as my surprise packages uh, JG gave Dusan Lajovic and Mar- uh, Marketa von Drusova. This week, we'll start with the men. Who's your man? Who's your surprise package, Kavi? All right, it's a tough one. I
0: had a couple of clay court uh, guys who've been playing pretty well lately. Um, but I'm going to choose, and I hope it's not the same you, you have. I'm going with Francisco Sarundalo of our mm. introduction, of our Game to Love uh introduction on our streams uh yeah right. francisco sarundalo has been playing well he had a nice little swing in uh indian wells miami i think miami he uh he went to the quarters semis last year and uh, yeah he's just been having some good results he recently beat yannick sinner in rome so he is my surprise package
1: great pick love Mensa. that pick absolutely yeah. love that pick i feel that if he does well i'm all for it um spoke to him thoroughly nice guy and uh, hopefully, we can get him back on the podcast again at some point. But my, uh, my male player to watch is less safe, I feel, than Surundalo. Surrenderlo will be a seed in the uh tournament, but he's outside the top 10. My one isn't even in the main draw for the competition. <laughs> uh, it is uh, well, based upon the entry list, Aslan Karatsev. I'm going for. Obviously, we've had him on the podcast. Well, maybe we're just going for podcast guests on here. But uh, I feel that he's suddenly coming back to a bit of form. He's somebody nobody's going to want to play. If he hits any type of form, he's a player who's beaten Djokovic on clay courts in the past. I feel that nobody wants to play Alcalaz when he's (laughs) playing his best tennis. He's just one of those. he'll, He'll ruin your day. You'll come onto yep. the court. He's like the Nostepenko of the men's side. He'll just play his best tennis, and you won't see the ball. It'll just go, tum, 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 and <laughs> it's gone. So, yeah. Karatsev is mine.
0: All right. That's a good
1: pick. Uh, he also uh, made it to
0: the semis of Madrid from Quali, So, uh, a exactly. very impressive little run of form. Um, how about on the women's side? Why don't you go first on this one?
1: On the women's side, um, even though... I saw I saw signs of promise in Rome. I feel that like she's somebody who can always cause a threat if she gets a good draw, and that's Donna Vekic. I'm going to go for. Ooh, okay, that's a good pick. Um, now I'm going for
0: someone who did very well last year at Roland Garros. was a semi finalist. She's a little bit hot and cold, but she's been a little bit hotter than cold lately. Her name is Martina. Trevisan Going for the Italian. Hmm. Another deep run, um, potentially. Let's see if she can do it. Martina Trevisan.
1: Hmm. I like that one as well. Good one. Yeah, see if she yeah. turns it back on again, it's a bit uh, cold at the minute, but could come back. Uh, let us know your surprise packages in the comments section below. We want to know who you think is going to be like a player outside the top 10 who could potentially shock everyone at the tournament and get... Maybe into a quarter, maybe a semi, maybe even further. But payday. That's that's payday. <laughs> but I think that that is it for episode two of The Countdown. Well done if you made it all the way to the end. Um, let us know your thoughts on all of the stuff that we've covered. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you on the next one. Um, anything left to say, Covey?
0: Uh, Just uh, thank you for having me on on this new segment. Really, really excited. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Always happy to talk some tennis.
1: That's it. Make sure you've hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new to the channel. And we're only nine days away from Roland Garros.
0: Let's go, baby.